So excited y'all have been with us this long. We just finished Joshua. Um, Open it up here and Joshua's passed. Yeah. Like I was not ready for that. I know I've read through the Bible before. First verse, uh, I want to read this. Now after the death of Joshua, it came to pass that the children of Israel asked the Lord saying, Who shall go up before us again, the Canaanites first, to fight against them? Um, open it up right into this. I love seeing their heart already. I don't want to get... I got a thought here for the first verse. I don't want to get too far ahead. I got a couple little tidbits before I turn it over to Jesse. Uh, just like facts we believe. This book covers 300 years of Israel. Hmm. You know, when I read Joshua, I, I didn't realize that. Like, I, it just didn't occur to me. It goes from the years 1400 B.C. to uh, 1000 B.C., 1100 B.C. We believe... We don't have an actual fact for this, but we believe that Samuel was the writer for the book. So as you guys know, all everybody knows about Samuel, but we're going to get to Samuel later on. For the first bit, we're finding out some consequences and some actions. That's what I'm going to call it. Uh, turn it over to Jesse. Go ahead. Tell us what some of your perspective on Judges. I'm very interested to see if Mike and I have the same thought because he texted me and said, Hey, I'm mostly taking my thoughts from the first two chapters of Judges. And I was like, well, my thought only comes from the first chapter of Judges. And the very first thing I had was Judges 1-1. So now I'm very curious how much we have in common here with these notes. But um, mine was actually a little different. So Micah already read it. But um, if you were with us through going through Exodus, Leviticus, and Numbers, we do a lot of comparison of Moses to other people in the Bible, especially there at the end we were comparing Moses to Joshua. Their different upbringings, their different perspectives. Um, something that Moses did, though, that Joshua did not, was Moses had a leader in place before he died. Remember, he was praying mm. to God and being like, they need a leader. Like, obviously, these people like need a leader. So they kind of instated Joshua. Um, but Joshua didn't do that. And I even went back to the end of Joshua, which, spoiler alert, at the end of Joshua, he does pass away. Mm -hmm. So, and he never orchestrated anything like that. And I do wonder if that was part of the reason that, spoiler alert, the children of Israel kind of spiral out of control later on in this book was because of the lack of Big time. a leadership. I don't know. That's just reading between the lines. Um, my main thought, though, is actually from Judges 1... And then the verses are 21 and 27. 21 says, And the children of Benjamin did not drive out the Jebusites that inhabited Jerusalem, but the Jebusites dwelt with them, excuse me, the children of Benjamin in Jerusalem unto this day. And then verse 27 says, Neither did Manasseh drive out the inhabitants of Bethshion and her town, nor Tanakh and her towns, nor the inhabitants of Dor and her towns, nor the inhabitants of Ilbilam and her towns, nor the inhabitants of Megiddo and her towns, but the Canaanites would dwell in that land. So basically, this is when they came to the promised land, they were dividing up the land between the 12 tribes of Israel. So previously, like Caleb actually got a chunk of land, pretty good sized chunk of land, and he drove out the inhabitants, which they were supposed to do because this was the land the Lord had promised them. What we see, starting with the tribe of Benjamin, they didn't drive them out. And I feel like in my mind, they probably justified it as, well, you know, these people still live here, but they won't really affect us. You know, obviously the Lord gave us this land. We're supposed to be here. It's no big deal. Like, you know, 
probably should drive them out maybe next week. We're not going to worry about it. It's not going to be too bad of a thing. But as you can imagine, if you're not familiar with the book of Judges, this kind of allows a lot of out of control. It's like the top of the hill where you start going downhill for the children of Israel. Um, they allowed these like pagan ideas to live up close to them. And, you know, they... It just allowed a lot of not great stuff to happen. And it reminded me of a passage of scripture from the New Testament that Mike and I were actually talking about. I couldn't remember if it was yesterday or the day before, but it was just the past couple of days. And it's actually in Matthew. It's Matthew chapter 12, verses 43 through 45. It says, When the unclean spirit is gone out of a man, he walketh through dry places, seeking rest, and findeth none. Then he saith, I will return into my house from whence I came out, and when he is come, he findeth the empty, swept, and garnished. Then goeth he, and taketh with himself seven other spirits more wicked than himself, and they enter and dwell there. And the last state of that man is worse than the first. So the tremendous sin that we read about in Judges, and it happens pretty quickly. Mm -hmm. I mean, chapter 1 is like the highlight, like the good part. Like the first half of chapter 1 is the good part. But the reason that tremendous sin was even allowed is because the children of Israelites made room. They made room for these people to dwell amongst them, like right alongside them. Um, Micah da Micah's dad says it so well. When a person gets saved, you, know, you have that clean slate. Your sins are forgiven. You have a new life. You are yeah. a new creature in Christ. But he also says that you don't necessarily need to go hang around your old friends that you were so buddy-buddy with before you got saved. And the reason is that it's so easy as a young Christian to get zealous and be like, well, I'm going to win all my friends to the Lord. And that's awesome. And you should. You should pray for those people. But if you're hanging around them as a social gathering, um, if you get back on drugs, then who's going to pray for them? You know, you've kind of undone the hope that they had for that particular situation. And I wonder if the Israelites were like that. Like, well, they'll just confirm. They'll, they'll conform to us, you know, maybe in their mind. I don't know. I'm reading between the lines. But because they allowed this sin to live so close to them, it was ultimately their demise. Like, it gets really out of hand super fast. And that's just like us in the New Testament. After Christ's death and resurrection, we just celebrated Easter, we have this clean heart, but if we allow sin to live so close to us, like, well, I won't partake in it. Or, you know, just because it's here doesn't mean I agree with it. But if you're living it close to your heart, it's just a matter of time before it corrupts you. I mean, one bad apple, right, in the little bag of apples that you bought from Walmart because you decided you were going to be living healthier. At the bottom, you can't see it, but it's got a little mold. Before you know it, they're all moldy, and you have to throw out your $5 apples. You know, the whole thing is ruined. So it's so, a lot of people think, well, you know, you're being prudish, or you're being too strict. I see that a lot in our mm -hmm. church because we are kind of strict compared to other um, sects of Christianity. But... I wouldn't say that we were strict. I would say we're cautious. We're trying to guard our hearts. And especially as a new Christian, I don't think you can be too cautious. And the tale of this, the children of Israel derailing, I think that is a cautionary tale. Like, yeah, it's really sad because they were walking in the favor of God and then they just lost everything, basically. But like we said, the New Testament, Old Testament are pretty parallel. It serves a purpose to us. I, first off, we have identical thoughts. Oh. This is the first time we've taught... And they're just like verbatim. I have a couple things I, I want to mention as well. But first, verse 1, I'm going to say it again. Joshua's dead. We found that out in Joshua. Um, still hits me hard. Love Joshua. Now after the death of Joshua, it came to pass that the children of Israel asked the Lord, saying, 
who shall go up for us against the Canaanites first to fight against them? So all this zeal, mm-hmm. all this good intention. Uh, a commentary I read, it says on verse 1, chapter 1, shows us that immediately following Joshua's death, Israel was seeking the guidance from God. But however, this quickly changes. And I was like, oh, this is good. And then it says, but this quickly changes. And you, you dig in and you see how tough it gets. I want to read verses 6 through 7, though. They come, well, let me just talk about it. A lot of hard names. They come in, they have this big fight, and they slay all these people. And they're doing great in the eyes of God. Then they come to the kings, and they say, let's take their thumbs off. And they call it great toes. I really like that. So they cut off their great toes. And the reason is uh, a king not only was a king at this point in time, but he was also a warrior. So a king can no longer hold a sword mm-hmm. or a spear. And without, I didn't know this. I was like, why, why the great toes? Why the big toes? Um, without your big toe, you can't run fast. It really affects your balance. Completely. So what they were doing is they were taking these great leaders of renown, these, what was his name? Uh, Abizanek and uh, the 10 other kings or whatever. And they were taking these guys and they were making them no longer to have their ability to show we have crippled the enemy. Mm-hmm. So at first they're like, look, look, God, look at what you're doing in our life. We're going through our life and we are crippling the enemy. And I think that's amazing. Like, that's a great story. So I encourage you with God's help. And they admitted, they said, without God, we couldn't have done this. This battle was completely fought by God. And with God, we have destroyed the enemy in our path, the enemy in this tribe, the enemy in this area. And then it moves forward. But then they make places for other enemies. And this is the verse that, um, well, let me, let me do this. Let's go to Judges chapter 1 and verse 27. Jesse's already read this verse. I am sorry, but we're, we're just going to talk about this men. Neither did Manasseh drive out the inhabitants of Bethshean and her towns. And so it goes on, nor Tanach and her towns, nor in the inhabitants of Dor and her towns, nor in the inhabitants of Iblam and her towns. So Israel did not drive out the Canaanites. Ephraim did not drive out the Keatrites or the Niphites. I got a list of names here I can't pronounce well. All these people did not drive them out. And they made room for them. So it comes down and you're like, okay. So they made room for a little bit of enemy in their lives. And some of them, they're like, listen, you can't even live in this city. You need to go live in the mountains. What's wrong with that? This is our land, but we're not even going to let you stay in our city. You just got to go live up in there. If you go to chapter 2, verse 11. And this is where things start turning sideways. And the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord and served Balaam. So this is where it, this is where it really bothered me. They kept serving God. They kept loving God. They kept worshiping God. But they started bringing other gods into the mix. So they never quit worshiping God. They never quit loving God. And God recognizes that and he talks to them about it. But he said, you're bringing, other, you're bringing their gods into this. So you may be watching this and say, Micah, this is, this is good. This is good stuff and this is Bible. But I want you to know I don't struggle with worshiping Balaam. I don't struggle with worshiping, what's, what's, is it Ra the sun god? Mm-hmm. I don't struggle with worshiping any other gods. This is their time. Right now, we don't have a lot of false gods that people worship commonly. Normally what you hear a lot of is Christian, atheists, or one of two other religions. The issue we see now is where people take things in their life, not even bad things, 
and they put them on a pedestal of a god. And you say, well, that ain't true. That ain't happening. If something is more important to you than Christ, the God that saved you, you better believe that's a God in your life. Oh, yeah, 100%. So you may think, well, Micah, well, what do you say? What do you say? If I like sports, but if it's more important to you to play sports or to watch sports, then you have that on a pinnacle up next to your God. And then you're saying, I, I love Christ, but I love this just as much. And then Christ is very, very angered about this. And that's why we got to understand the enemy, he's smart. He doesn't always just use obvious sins. He can use things that aren't sinful at all, but just make them more important to us than what should be. And Dad said one of the biggest conquering things you can do in your life, and if you can conquer this, you can be unstoppable, is balance. So what, what I've been striving for as a parent, I feel like as soon as you have a kid, balance becomes even harder. It's like the more you add to your life, the harder it becomes to balance because you're moving this and this and this, and I'm young. I don't know how people do it. But this has been convicting for me reading this morning. I just I just want to come to God and say, God, I don't want to put anything. I don't want to idolize anything. I don't want to put anything to a point. Um, sometimes I enjoy We love to go on TikTok and watch funny videos. I don't, I don't want to have a thing to where in my life to where I know I need to be, I feel in my heart, I need to read some Bible. But then I think, well, I could do this for a while, and I can postpone that later. If God's telling you and drawing you in, a, in something spiritually, that needs to be your highest priority. If you feel that in your spirit, man, I really need to reach out to this person and check for them and check on them. But then you feel that, well, I could be doing this. I could go out and do this. I really need to go out and do some yard work. Can I get an amen? Spring's coming. we got to move some stuff. I had trees falling. Any of these things that we prioritize, we, we just got to always give God the first part of us. And... I, I see how dangerous it is to mix things in as a higher priority than him. And it, it's convicting to me. And I know this is thousands of years ago, and I don't even know nothing about Balaam. I don't know. I don't know nothing about this God. I don't know nothing about this guy. But I do know I don't want anything to be a Balaam in my life. Amen. This is, um, this. I want to read this one more time. And the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord. I'm stopping in chapter 2, but when you go into chapter 3... It's like, and they did evil in the sight of the Lord. And they did evil in the sight of the Lord. And they did, and next week we're going to talk about doing evil in the sight of the Lord. Because it's, it's obviously very important to God that we recognize this in their faults and what they went through to help us. Jesse, that was an incredible thought. I, I thought it was amazing. I was like, okay, now I'm going to verse 27 in my notes. I was like, wait a second. We've already hit that. I had that feeling. We're usually pretty good about having separate thoughts. But I was like, I can't write anything other than this. Oh, it's, this is, um. You know how sometimes I can hear, I'm like, oh, this is fun stuff. This is good, deep stuff. This is convicting stuff. This isn't as fun. This isn't as exciting. But this shows me and Micah Wynn what I need to work on. And it's God telling me, Micah, I'm using this from thousands of years ago to help you today. This is some guidance. This is some, it's good, but it ain't, I love Joshua. I'm still a big fan of the book of Joshua. <laughs> Thank you so much for tuning in with us. Uh, you're going to be hearing about these in a minute. Uh, please get one of those, 1-877-226-4088. If you have any prayer requests, we have people here that would love to pray with you. And we'd love to send you a free prayer cloth. I I feel to tell you all this. Papal did a podcast on what a prayer cloth is. If you have any questions about that, you can just search prayer cloth on our page or on our YouTube with Oasis Ministries. He answers a lot of questions. Amazing, amazing podcast. Tune in and listen to that. Thank you. God bless you. Thank you.
So we have an exciting new product. It is our Sermon Notes. We completely made this in-house. Um, it does have our logo. It's a very nice uh, glacier blue, but inside you'll find just some basic stuff. We have spaces for the title of the sermon. A lot of times Micah's dad will say, if I could title this sermon, it would be um, just basic things, the speaker or the pastor, key verses, key points and notes. And the reason that we're really trying to push these out is it's been scientifically proven if you write something down your mind is more likely to remember it Amen. and i know i'm sure you have i've been a part of great services and in that moment i thought wow that's a powerful passage like that's a powerful thought i'm, I'm gonna remember that and then sermon you know is over and i get busy with life and i don't remember it so i have to go back to the live stream well live stream wasn't there you know mm -hmm. so this kind of captures all the good bits um I personally love the color, it matches my cup. As you can see, it's also not very large, so it can fit just in your bag, right next to your Bible. I've been carrying it, and I don't carry a lot of things to church because we have Kara and her diaper bag and everything. It is super, super easy. Could not recommend. You can order on our website, which is listed down below, or you can call us here in the office and order one, and we'll get it out to you today.